0: Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic Will's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. Once again, recorded at our various fiefdoms around the new <laughs> the greater New York area. Uh, I'm Calvin Reed, a contributing editor at Publishers Weekly. Check us out online at Publishersweekly.com slash comics.
1: And I am Heidi McDonald. I am the editor in chief of comicsbeat.com. And you can also find us on Xster at p at pwcomicsworld.
2: And I'm Katie Simmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us on Lo- Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com.
0: And don't forget, you can subscribe to more to come on the uh, Apple Podcast app, on Google Podcasts, and on Spotify, and on Facebook. We're at facebook.com/slash pwcomicsworld.
1: And uh, don't forget, you can leave us a rating or a comment on most of these fine platforms. And uh, please do let us know what you like and even don't like about this podcast, because we love to hear from our listeners.
0: Talk to us, please. All right, this week on More to Come, uh, Anime NYC. Not only have they sold out next year's tickets in two hours, they just announced a partnership with Japan Society for, you know, more content. So more to come. Ah, uh, let's see. Um uh comics journalism at the Eisners is out. We'll dig deeply into that. Okay. Uh retailers speak. Diamond distribution Diamond DBD speaks. Uh Superman following Mickey Mouse. We'll have to talk about that. And uh Ramona Fraiden retires at ninety seven. So anime NYC.
1: Wow, wow, wow. Um, You know, we have the story up on the beat, and um one of our writers was trying to get tickets for it, and he had a similar experience to people who famously are trying to get San Diego Comic-Con tickets, which, as we know, is the toughest <laughs> ticket in Impossible, town. But you yeah. know what? There is a new tough ticket in town, and it's called Anime NYC.
0: Yeah, wow. Sold out in two hours. Well, yes.
1: And, and so here's what's interesting. They had anime NYC plus tickets, which give you, you know, VIP access. You got a special lounge where you can charge your phone, water, so on. Uh, those go for $430. Um, and Mm. those sold out in one hour. And then the rest of the three day badges sold out in, yeah, just two hours. And, um, yeah, like I said, our, our, uh, our writer, uh, d- you know, experienced like, you know, you get Justin Guerrero. He, he was in the waiting room and, you know, they have a the little man walking and all that. And I guess they <laughs> yes. were using the same, the same ticketing system as San Diego does. And, um, yeah, that was it. Uh, they were done. And, you know, the interesting thing is a couple things. I mean, it's moving to August and.
0: Oh, you know, that's right. Never, yeah. Never
1: back. Yeah. And it's also it's- taking over the entire Javits. More yeah,
0: space. And- mm.
2: And listeners, there are still limited quantities available of Saturday, Sunday, yes. and Friday badges. So grab your badges while you can. They're yeah. gonna run out
1: fast. I am gonna keep checking on the site just to, you know, monitor it for my own satisfaction to see how long it takes for those to sell out. Mm. But um I mean, you know, we've talked about anime NYC quite a bit on this podcast. It's yeah. what a vibrant, growing show. Obviously manga and anime are super hot. Obviously there was a huge demand for this event in the tri state area, especially in August where the kids are out of school. <laughs> yeah, and adding
2: adding to that excitement um is uh the Japan Society is teaming up with anime NYC to organize more programming um around anime NYC outside of it city that week. Um so, really, it, it's a great team-up. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And,
1: of course, the team-up will come as no surprise because sure. uh, the Japan Society is now employing Peter Tatara, who was the founder of Anime NYC yeah. and uh, previously ran anime a- events at uh, ReadPop. So, you know, he's kind of the main man. Uh, moving over to the Japan Society has obviously expanded his portfolio. So, this team-up was a natural and, um, you know, onwards and upwards with this Uh yeah, um, Pete, not, uh, onwards and upwards with anime.
0: Yeah, Peter moved over to Japan Society. He's heading up programming there. He's he's heads up their film, some of their I think their film. Uh yeah, I think that's one of on the it. things he does. Um I was lucky enough. He reaches he he reached out um and we were able to see the new slam dunk anime a couple of months ago, which was fabulous. Uh anytime yeah. you can you know, if you can team up with Japan Society, you're gonna get great content. So yeah, it's gonna maybe, really be ha- a terrific partner for them.
1: Yeah, and they have an awesome theater too. I mean, yes. it's beautiful. And I saw, I saw a screening of Destroy All Monsters there. Ah, Um there you. Go. So, yes, yeah, so we've, we're all obviously getting on board with this programming. So thanks, Peter. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> sounds good. Okay. Yeah. Um, wow. I mean, I read your piece, Heidi, about, uh, <laughs> the, uh, Eisner's, um, yeah. It, it, for, for whatever reason, they seem to be eliminating the Journalism Award for this year. Now, this has happened in the past. Do you, you want to talk about it?
1: Sure. I mean, the, the call for, for submissions, the call for entries in the Eisner Award nominations went out uh, about a week ago. And eagle-eyed Chris Arendt to Pop First noticed that two categories were missing, uh, comics memoir and the uh, best comics journalism journalistic presentation, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, he contacted Jackie Estrada, the awards administrator, and it turned out memoir had just been left off by accident. Um, but she said that journalism was being merged in with the best, um, I forget the name of the exact category, but it's like books about comics. Yeah. And, um, so he, as, as our colleague Rob Sokolowitz put it, uh, you know, don't pick a fight with people who buy ink by the barrel. <laughs> and, you know, comics journal Twitter exploded at this and, but it wasn't even anger. It was just, it was just sadness, you know. And, well, yeah, yeah. And um, and now here's the tricky thing. I just keep hearing whispers and seeing shadows. I look, mm. uh, was that someone there? Or did I imagine it? So, so there's something else afoot. And Chris even mentioned this in a tweet, a a, 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 a mysterious tweet, an enigmatic tweet. And so I I, I understand. There might be more to come on this story, so we'll hmm. see. But, and you know, as you pointed out, Calvin, yeah. uh, I think it was the year that you, or the year yeah. that you were a judge, they didn't have this.
0: Well, I think, actually, I think the year, that's what I'm not confused because, uh, now I remember this was, when I did it, it was 2002. So it's the you know twenty
1: two years ago. My
0: my yeah you seems know. Looks
1: like it was yesterday.
0: And, well, you know, it seems yeah. like yesterday. What I do remember, like yesterday, is being uh turned loose in a in a room overflowing with comics of every kind. Taking comics back to your hotel room. I just it's some sort of weird nerdy comics person's nirvana. Uh, of, you know, except if you had like a you know a uh, uh, a union foreman over you, like making you work, <laughs> that would be Jackie, making yeah. you work way past, uh, a lot of overtime. Uh, but I, I, I think Chris in his article, I can't remember whether he said we put it back in or we took, took it out. So I'm actually looking at the, uh, awards for 2002. And. Well, it was
1: Douglas who took it out.
0: Yeah, uh, he so. Was
1: a judge, Douglas Walk, a friend of the
0: podcast. Yes. And, you know, friend of the uh, PWS the Comics of the Coverage, Coverage going way yes, back. Yeah. One of the pioneers of that. So, um, um, so I'm a little confused. I admit I don't have any memory of a big discussion about journalism. Mm. Uh, and it, what I see, I'm looking at this list of awards and I see, uh, you know, best comics related item, whatever that is. And a best comics-related book. Well, if you look. Oh, and comics-related periodical.
1: I think what's really funny, it does give this some kind of context, is that um, I I looked on the Wikipedia page for the Eisner Awards to Mm -hmm. confirm some facts. And uh, they have a little section for uh, awards that are no more, some categories Uh that are no more. And uh, Best Editor, to me, that was one of the significant ones, because that was one of the original categories. But that got ditched in 1999. And then, yeah, there's Best Comics-Related Product item. Uh, And, you know, a lot of these were were, uh, Best Writer Artist humor. I mean, a lot of these have been, um, Mm -hmm. you know, adapted into other things. But my favorite is in 1999, for one year only... One year only there was a category for best comics related sculpted figures. <laughs> and so um There
2: you yeah, go. You it, know,
1: and then there was special recognition and best adaptation from other works. So, you know, they, yeah. they experiment. And yeah. Calvin, as you know, I mean I was a judge way back in ninety two. Um, wow, you were
0: in ninety
1: two. I was a pioneer, yes. Uh the um uh the Cate- a lot of it is up to the judges. Uh, you know, yes. the judges have the discretion to add or subtract categories each year. Um, however, I mean, I don't know, was this made but, you know, I don't know how the system works now. I mean, the judges have been chosen, all right? The yeah. judges know who they are. <clears throat> I know this because I learned who one of the judges is, but I am sworn to secrecy, so I go. will not reveal it. Um. So they all know. And, you know, for all we know, they're already doing their judgy work.
0: Most likely, yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I don't know. Do, do they still fly everybody out to San Diego? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I will say this: it was really one of them, uh, particularly at that time, in <clears throat> uh, the writing that I was doing and where PW was with comics. It was a thrill. <laughs> I have to tell you, yeah. it was a thrill to be brought out oh. there and to, you know, have a stake in these August Awards. Uh, so it really meant a lot to me to do it. But I don't remember a lot except just reading comics constantly. Oh. Yeah. I mean, taking them everywhere, I'm reading it when I was eating. Cause it was just so- <laughs> uh, Yeah. Well, it is. It's
1: a lot. And, it's the, a you lot. know, this is, this is why there's so much change. You know, it, it, the nominees every year it depend on the judges. You know, yeah. I mean, occasionally there's a book like, you know, Ducks by Kate Beaton, which you know it's going to win. You know it's going to be nominated. And, um, uh, you know, there's a clear cut. I mean, I'm sure there's, you know, the books we did on our best of list, Monica and Roaming. I hope I hope they get mm. some recognition. But, you know, a lot of these other things are just it's the makeup of the judge or one person in the judging room who's a loud mouth, you know. <clears throat> sure. Um, yeah. or, Kate, Kate, have you ever yeah. been have you ever been a, an award board judge or anything like no. this?
2: No, I haven't. Um, I'm very much on on the edges of these things.
1: Mm. Is that, would you, would you ever like to?
2: I would love to, but I'm kind of a nobody. I'm a behind-the-scenes person, I think.
1: Uh, you're a big somebody
2: to yeah, us. Yeah, that's being. right. <laughs> you're the, you're a big
0: somebody. You're a big behind-the-scenes somebody. Well, um, thank
2: you so much. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I don't think anyone knows who I am, but I would sure love to judge.
0: But, you know, I, on Heidi's point, I do vaguely recall, uh maybe it was Jackie talking about, how judges, we could, like, you know, there's something we wanted to emphasize. Maybe that, you know, or I can see the case where maybe some judges may feel that there wasn't enough of a quality in a certain category. You wanted to skip over it or create a new category. They have that prerogative. So,
1: Calvin, based yes. on based on this timeline that Chris Chris did, like it was dastardly Douglas who removed <laughs> it and. Um, in 2002. But then, when you came came back, you put it back. Yes, Your apparently we put, it, put it, back. it back. Yes, apparently you put it back. And the nominees that year, just to, uh, were well, it was best comics-related publication, periodical, or book. I guess websites yes. didn't rate. So the winner was Bernard Kriegstein, Volume One from Fantagraphics by Greg Sadowski, Comic Arc, edited by M. Todd Hignite. Yeah, that was a great fanzine. Kurt Swan, A Life in Comics by Eddie Zeno.
0: Now, what he year just is this? A, is or, did you this read? Is, well, this I'm reading
1: 2003. 2003.
0: Okay, I, I was went, there what? in 2002. Oh, you
1: weren't. Oh, that yeah, was. Yeah, I was the there end- in
0: 2002.
1: Oh, okay. That's so, that,
0: that's so, why I was so, saying what I saw as I, best comics-related item. I see best comics related book and best comics related period, periodical. I don't see an award that states specifically journalism.
1: Yeah, but, yeah, I think best comics related periodical is the yeah, one. that's and the, probably right. It, yeah. I'm looking at it now, and the, and the nominees were Alter Ego, yes. comic book artists, and the Comics Journal. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, some some worthy titles there yes. that have yes. won. you know, comic book artists won. So John Cook. Did a great job on that. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that were, you know, websites weren't even a twinkle in the judge's right. eye at that point. So, um, you know, I mean, look, it comes and goes. I think the point of my piece, and you know, just to put it all into perspective, um, you know, I make my living as a comics journalist. I do other freelance work here and there, but primarily, and it's a meager living. I, you know, I, I, there's a lot of peanut butter. I just had two slices of cheese for dinner. And, um, although that was because I didn't have time to go shopping because I was yes. a but um you know, I stayed up until five in the morning last night writing my piece because I knew it had to be said, and uh, that's not good for your your uh you know internal body clock or whatever, but know then I woke up and I saw on Twitter that somebody said the piece had made them cry, and Aww. right, so I'm like, oh i I mean not sleeping is worth it all. But uh, yeah, the, I think the thing that made it cry was, and you know, this is tangential, but I I bring it up in in the piece is hmm. that yesterday it was announced that Pitchfork, the really iconic music website, is being folded into Gentleman's Quarterly. You yes. know, if you're an indie music snob, I can't imagine it's a fate worse than death. You know. Yeah,
2: and I mean, no offense to GQ, but its vibe is very, very, very different from Pitchfork.
1: Yes. There's no relationship there. I think maybe I mean Anna Wintour announced this and you know what does she know about Pitchfork? You know? <laughs> nothing.
2: Like, nothing. She knows nothing about and,
1: Pitchfork. Yeah, and as I pointed out, um music journalists are way higher on the food chain than comics journalists, but you know, there's no place for them to to ply their wares anymore. So it's just, you know, Google AI, the AI incursion, it's just it's just a very bad time. Um well,
2: you know, I mean, I do wonder how long it's going to last. Either either the Internet will go down in quality or um, people will find some way of filtering out AI stuff or AI stuff will improve. Um, because as it currently stands, like one in three links I click when I search looking for an article starts off with one sentence that looks like it was read, written by a human being and the rest degenerates into just... Brain melting AI nonsense.
1: So because I'm a, uh, you know, saucy, uh, solo flying, you know, entrepreneur who's been running my site for 20 years, mm. I, I don't go to the meetings where they tell you, oh, for SEO, you need to do this AI generated summary at the f- top of your article. So I don't, I haven't done that and I don't know why everyone is doing it now. Like every freaking site does it now. So there mm. has to be some benefit.
2: Well, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the articles that literally have one sentence at the top written by the human being and literally the rest um, of it was created by chat GPT.
0: Yeah. Well, you see it in sports writing quite a bit too now, it's, particularly it's in game, yeah. uh, in game summaries, not on, not in the big pros, but in small college sports, if you do that, it's all written by, they usually say article by, uh, F drive or some with like that, and then they have a little note that oh, this story was compiled by you know AI.
1: Well, you know, yeah. just as I was waiting to go onto this podcast, I saw a juicy headline in my inbox that said what Mets players are you know have health problems in 2024, and I'm like, oh, let me read this, you know, so I can get ready. You know, pitchers and catchers report in about a month, yep. and and it it was it was garbage. There was absolutely yeah. no information in this piece. And it was just AI clickbait, and I fell for it. And um, is it Harrison Bergeron? Are they just trying to make us stupider?
0: <laughs> they're trying to make money. That's what they're trying to do. They don't care if anybody gets stupid in the process. Um, you know, I mean, your, your your article was you as usual. It had your usual combination of <laughs> insight, wry humor, and yes, you know, some uh, this this sense of history since you've been there and seen it all and done it all. That you can't ignore. So yes, you wrote a good piece about where we are in comics journalism right now. I mean, that's that's probably never a good place to be at the moment, but probably, I mean, it, probably, I mean, I would have to say, I mean, there there, there certainly are. I mean, as though some, obviously, some you, you mentioned some that have you know passed on, but also, I mean, with what Chris is doing at at Pop Verse, the the beat continues. The, the, uh, obviously the comics journal is the comics journal. Um, well, I mean, PW I mean, give her tries. I don't know I mean, where I'd we are a, anymore.
1: Well, we'll see. You There's know. some movement afoot out there as well, yeah. but you know, I want to give a shout out to our, uh, my friend, and, uh, hopefully, I don't know if you guys know him, but I think you do. Brett Schenker who does graphic policy and he's been doing yeah. that site pretty much solo for 15 years or so. And he just hangs in there, yes, you know, yes. and he, uh, is a trooper, and everyone who does this is, uh, you know, I don't want to do the honking swear button. They are a freaking trooper, and and they um, do great they, stuff on
0: TikTok. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. follow their TikTok account because he, they yeah. talk about comics.
1: Well, he, he, see, so here's the thing. It's like, and you know, this is one of those things I wasn't going to put in the article because my articles are scrutinized by all the, you know, crazy YouTubers, you know, right, the, you know anti diversity YouTubers. Mm, and it is yeah. pretty yeah, and it's pretty freaking demoralizing when you see a a dumb video about you about me. There have been quite a few about me. Wow. Um, you know, calling me literally four letter words. And, you know, it's got eighteen thousand views. And uh, you know, that's how many views I get a day on the beat for all my content sometimes. Sometimes mm. it get more, sometimes it get less. But you, you know, know,
2: maybe the Beat needs a YouTube channel.
1: Well, you know, see Kate, here's the thing. It's like like, journalism has expanded to podcasts and mm-hmm. YouTube and TikTok. So mm-hmm. people who are good at video and are good at blabbing, like we are, are
2: already doing it,
1: are, are, you know, it's given them a platform. Yeah. And a lot of people, uh, prefer to listen or watch. Yeah. And, um, but you know, the information to me is invented as obviously they're just no, talk not. shows. It's talk shows. Yeah. They're yeah. just the equivalent of Hoda copy, only not as good.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Yeah, but she doesn't talk about stuff that geeks are interested in.
1: Yeah. And,
2: you know, talk shows are fine, but they're not, they're, they're a different genre and there's a place for journalism.
1: Yes. Yes. And,
2: um, hopefully you'll get some hate clicks out of that nonsense.
1: Well, I mean, I definitely, I had some hater comments on the, on the piece and,
0: uh, you know, but you know, just, (laughs) it it, it
1: is,
2: it is a tough question because,
0: um, I mean, I mean, how do you make a comics journalist? I mean, I was a book trade journalist, obsessed with comics. Um but it's I mean get to really write about comics, I was lucky to be paired off with with Heidi. I mean, most importantly, I mean that's where I I learned I learned some from Douglas and I learned some from Milton, but being around Heidi for ah. the last thirty years, that's was my my education?
1: Yeah, but Calvin, you taught me all about the book trade. Well, I didn't know well, anything about the book trade, so we we educated each we other. We absolutely okay? did, but that's each other.
0: was the genius of our our partnership over these years. And yeah. then, of course, you know, Kate basically got us online with this podcast.
1: Yes, Oh, so, hell, hell, Kate. Yeah, yeah no, believe I'm, me, this- I'm
0: I'm the resident podcast obsessive. We would not have, we would not have this podcast without Kate because we wouldn't have had a, uh, we wouldn't have had a podcast no, know, node on the website and all the other stuff. And they were putting this off.
1: And you know, just in case anyone thinks, you know, Kate says, um, she isn't as known and you know, look, she doesn't have, it's not quite as much of a loud mouth in the ways that Calvin and I am, but she is so integral to putting this podcast together. We just couldn't do it without you, Kate. And, oh, without you yeah. now. And, yeah. and
2: this listeners, if you think, Maybe because we're we are uh, sponsored by a magazine, we are extruded corporate product that was created in a meeting. That is that is not the case. <laughs> That's not we started the case. <laughs> so bootstrapped, you don't even know, yeah, dear you listeners, do not Maybe. even know. Our long before we had a corporate created upload tool. Oh, uh, yeah, less said about that the better. Uh, we used to have a literally hand coded XML feed on my personal website that uh, was recorded off of my computer's built-in yep. mic. Um We, we, we did it ourselves.
0: Got, <laughs> we did it <laughs> ourselves. We
2: only got corporate sponsorship as well as the corporate name, like, I don't know, six months in, a year in, something yeah, like that. It might have been
0: even more than that. But, you know, th- but they recognized what oh, we had did. done we, once yeah, we, we got we, it, we it going. We
2: appreciate them. Yes. We One- appreciate them very much. It's just that this is.
0: We, Once we, we got are not,
2: it going. Right. We, this is not like created in a brainstorming room
0: and us doing it grudgingly. Yeah. No. For us, this
2: is a labor of love that we came up with ourselves. This is a yeah. true organic podcast.
0: But, but, but part of what my, my point was is how do you create a comics journalism today?
2: Well, part, part of
0: it is a journal, a comics journalist, excuse me.
2: Well, I mean, a lot of comics journalists literally came up through other people's blogs and other mm-hmm. people's magazines. Like a lot of comics journalists today have written for PW, have written for well, places like true. me. Um, yeah. You know, I think earlier generations train later generations. And I mean, generations is in internet generations often. Mm-hmm. Everybody's the same age. It's just, they haven't been doing that specific thing.
1: Well, we're, we're, you know, we're trying. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I might have told this story on a previous podcast, so I apologize, but, um, you know, I saw that Sam Thalman is, uh, yeah. reviewing comics for the New York Times. And, yeah. You know, he wrote put for us. A nice little note, note on, on Blue Sky, like thanking me for giving him his first paying <laughs> comics job. So, you know, how do you make a comics journalist? I just saw him skulking around <laughs> <at Re-Pop laughs> in the same office and then he asked if i had any extra comics and you know i was like oh you like comics you want to do some reviews Because <laughs> hey. he was working for variety or he was writing for, for variety he was interning there yes. so you know like it wasn't but i mean that's it you just hang around long enough Well you and way. keep
0: your eyes open well that's the thing and we 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 kept our eyes open because yeah i mean so many of, uh, I mean, Chris Heron, I mean, he yeah, wrote, sure. wrote yeah. for us for, for, for many years. And there, and we could go on and on. Yeah. But He's I going. do worry about where the next generation, who's well, looking we, out to bring them into well, some I, paying I, jobs.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, I think we all, all of us who are out there already have to keep our eye out on everybody coming up. And the fact of the matter is almost all comics journalism journalists are not like Calvin or Heidi are more like me are people who are doing it uh how we put this semi-professionally right like we have day jobs mm. doing other things and also we get some money from this it doesn't mean we're any less involved or we're any less journalists but it does mean that you know a lot of the comics journalism gigs out there are not going to pay a living it's mm. just true it's always been true
1: yeah well, I think we should uh perhaps even revisit this uh in yeah. other ways of, yeah. of you know, the comic comics and because actually, you know, all of Calvin's mind hard hard work and Kate's hard work over yeah. the years has paid off because guess what? It's the graphic novel announcements issue out in PW yes. this week. Yay! We got,
0: got your comics journalism right we here. Yeah. <laughs> we got it
1: and you know, all praise to Meg Lemke who does oh. the heroic job of putting it together and here's meg to talk about it with a a
0: yet another standalone comic
1: i'm here with meg lemke uh the graphic novels reviews editor and the heroic um <laughs> compiler of the latest graphic novels announcement issue and meg you got the whole issue to play with and this is this is this the third one the fourth one
3: how many have you done the third and i should clarify thank you heidi they're now called previews oh i'm sorry i'm sorry yeah the comics and Graphic novels previews issue for spring 2024 which covers books coming out from february to july right right um but and And yeah we we took over it was a takeover it's
1: absolutely (laughs) you have really done it this time cover
3: to cover yeah and the cover
1: is stunning it's by leela corman and she has a new book coming out
3: she does uh so the cover you know pw has editorial covers now and there's a usually a photograph of an author who's featured somewhere in the magazine. And in this case, Leela Corman is featured both on our top 10 list for forthcoming spring titles. Her new book is called Victory Parade. It's coming from Shaken, uh over at PRH. And she also has the profile in this issue. So That's the like author profile where we do a career retrospective and have a conversation with, a, with the creator about their coming hmm. book. And I, I wrote that too, which was fabulous. I mean, she's really... A, a mutual acquaintance called her a bold talker. She great, <laughs> yes. She gives
1: great quotes. Yes, uh, she does. Uh, I've known Leela a long time, and uh, absolutely, she is, uh, yes. yes. It was She's not boring. Place. It was a delight to do <laughs> yeah. this uh,
3: yeah. profile on her. And then we listed her book as one of our picks for the forthcoming top ten um, from the adult comics category. But, you know, we also – pick top 10 from young adult, you know, teen comics coming up, middle grade, we do a feature on early readers, and then we have a top 10 uh, for manga, which is put together by Shane and Garrity, a mutual friend, and as she gets called an introduction by my boss, Dave Adams, uh, manga specialist. <laughs> 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 and both of those sections also very like serious long lists too. Uh-huh. So we yeah. call them long lists, but really they're an opportunity for every publisher I could really find that made good sense to me to pick to like highlight a book from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are, you know, sometimes I hear people say, I'm just looking at the top 10, but please spend some time on the long list. We actually, Blood, Sweat, and Tears is is put into, and it's a lot of hand wringing on my part, like what title we pick for each of those selections from different publishers across all those um, age range categories I mentioned.
1: Yeah. I mean, Meg, the amount of work that I mean, I, I know I've mentioned this every time we have you yeah. on to talk about this. But you know, <laughs> I did this section when it was just it was announcements, by the way. And that's why, you know, old habits die hard. But it was a mere list of sixty titles.
3: You know, how many titles are do you have here? You must have um, like nearly so two hundred. Like sixty adults plus, you know, a whole bunch of I'd have to tell you it's at least like two hundred. Oh my god.
1: Oh my god. Because
3: each section has a long list of forty to fifty titles, the top ten. So Yeah. I'm not gonna do all the math here. And then the not to be neglected, the sidebars. Okay. <laughs> There's they're called sidebars in magazine layout terminology, but they're you know, they're like little featured boxes. Yes. That, yes. Call out the thematic trends mm-hmm. and then books on trend. And you know, while while they're not, you know, the top ten in the same way, they are definitely like feature titles. <sighs> We're doing a curated list. And we the trends we picked out in the adult side. We also got a third sidebar. Every, everything was a little bit bonus this, this spring. Like this is a bigger issue than, um, past. Oh wow. Past two. Wow. Um, yes. Yeah, like it's longer. There's yeah. long, there's more, more in it.
1: Well, just, um, oh, go yeah. on. I, I just, I just have to jump in here though to say, yeah. you know, you, you just mentioned that you are previewing 200, about 200 graphic novels. Perhaps possibly possibly more for just the period that goes until July. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I like this is, you still had to winnow out stuff. This is not even. Oh no, absolutely. We to.
3: we get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of submissions and it's, and plus, you know, they keep coming like up to the, I'm, we really do need publishers to submit their lists at the deadline that we give them, which is back in September, October. So, you know, comics, it's like a shell game. In the meantime, every five minutes, a book is like, (laughs) <laughs> suddenly appearing like in my in my reviews inbox and I'm like, holy sh what <laughs> holy you know what? Like yeah. I can't like what is it, Batman? I c I can't deal with this because this is like an obvious top ten contender and I have to kind of reconsider everything. And, you know, people are moving pub dates constantly, so something is one in this season but suddenly it's not, or they just randomly put it out before the season starts. So there's a lot of like hurting cats behind <laughs> the scenes too. Um but the thematic The the themes we pulled out for this issue, and I try and vary them with every issue, we did a big box on graphic medicine in the adult category, which is, like, becoming a perennial category. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But it was just such a perfect way also to pull together so many different publishers who are touching on this category. You know, we have Self-Made Hero, Avery Hill, Life Drawn, Street Noise, NBM, NBM. Uh-huh. This new publisher, The Experiment, who has a book called Polar Vortex about a, um, a woman flying to see her mom who has a sudden onset of dementia. Just all kinds of works that touch on health and, I, uh,
1: you know, yeah, you know, we have talked about, about graphic medicine in PW mm-hmm. and on the podcast quite a bit, but just in case you missed those previous episodes, you know, the thing is that graphic medicine is not just something people in comics like it's mm-hmm. people in the medical profession are really um you know use and in a lot of different ways you know to educate patients to educate doctors also um it's it's just really become its own separate thing
3: yeah and one of the big advocates for it is matthew know who is the um, yes. harvard medical school librarian and i actually have a friend who's a nurse just speaking to her about this the other day that there's a whole trend already of graphic, so not just graphic narrative, but like narrative medicine is a thing. So generally prose and theatrical representations of the healthcare experience from the patient and the um, provider side have long been used. And so comics is just such a great entry point. I think also for people who are uh, it just it's just been kind of magical the way that this has yeah, been such it's, a meaningful category within the category, subcategory. It
1: really is. And um it's great. So yeah, so what are some of the other uh sidebar spotlights that you have? So
3: the other spotlights on the adult side include um off to space, which is like all manner of space travel. Space travel. I mean yeah, exactly. I'm, really, I'm watching for all mankind right now, so maybe that gives me the idea. But <laughs> Also, it's just another way for me to get some of the publishers who have very long lists. We don't have enough space to feature more than one or two in our our long list, but you know, like Dark Horse, Humanoids. What I might call, like, more commercial, um, genre-oriented, often, publishers, they need, we need more space for them. And mm-hmm. a lot of them don't necessarily get their books in time for review. I mean, not to, that's not the only reason, like, sure. they have reasons they can't, like, they're serialized up they to pub date, doesn't, this is a place to kind of include more of them, to have a more, do you know, classic yeah. genre. Yeah,
1: I mean, I'm looking like, at the space, the space, um, and you know you have uh Grizz Grobus by Simon Roy. Everybody right. absolutely and Void Rivals from Skybound, which is, you know, like if, for you periodical comics fans, you know, kicked off this whole Energon Energon universe that totally. is the hottest thing going right now in um comic shops. So and it's you know it's really a tie in. Yeah, we don't
3: really review tie ins yeah. typically, but like this is a place to give it a little bit of spotlight yeah. and like let the fans of. of transformers GI Joe this is a crossover
1: and also there's a really important book on here peeing and pooping in space a 100 percent factual illustrated history and you know like this could have been in graphic
3: medicine it's true (laughs) we
1: had
3: we had not enough space there was a lot I had to cut actually well there's that's the problem with peeing
1: and pooping there's not enough space anyway moving (laughs) on quickly
3: uh, the next one is that I want to mention is myth makers. Like, mm-hmm. how could I not get oh, into the yeah. fact that in the wake of Laura Olympus, there's nothing that publishers love more now than, um, takes on Greek myth, takes on other mythologies, <laughs> new mythologies. Yeah, that isn't so what
1: it was, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> jump on, jump on the train.
3: Yeah. And it's, you know, it's good. It's There's lots of different angles on it. Um, so I recommend, you know, pointing people to that. And I will say that in the middle grade, uh, list, you know, jumping ahead, I'm really excited about the sidebar trend there, which is camp comics—a little uh, insider reference. Yes, camp comics. I don't mean SPX right now. I mean uh, middle-grade graphic novels about sleepaway camp, mm-hmm. which is such a lovely space to think of situating a narrative in because it's like we—what do you? What's the term in um, filmmaking? You know, it's like a box. Like mm-hmm. if you put everybody in a box together, yeah. And, and they're away from their usual environment. And um, there's just like a place for a lot of storytelling to flourish. There's actually two titles in this um sidebar from LB Inc. Little Brown Inc., mm-hmm. which both look great. One is called Upstage by Robin Easter. It's about a non-binary theater geek kid um who loves camp and like their longtime crush. There's also one called Camp Launch Pad that looks like this classic, like, underdogs versus yeah. the posh school about actually space again, like a, like a summer camp about, you know, young fans of space travel and like it's a science camp. It's just looks like
1: yeah. fabulous. Also, the, a new book by Johnny Christmas who did such a great, yeah. uh, Gamerville did such a great job with swim theme. So, um, but yeah, there's tons and tons of, of people. Uh, you know exciting follow-ups and uh, stuff coming out you know I just want to quickly kind of just read out the top mm-hmm. 10 that okay. you did but this is the adult top 10 you do have top 10s for all the categories but you know we're going to go with the the adult just because you know we, we go that way so uh, Advocate a graphic memoir Family Community and the Fight for Environmental Justice by Eddie On from 10 Speed Graphics Dwellings by Jay Stevens from ONI Feeding Ghosts a graphic memoir by Tessa Hulls from MCD um, Heavyweight, A Family Story of the Holocaust, Empire, and Memory by Solomon J. Brager from Moro. I'm so glad we had this time together, a memoir by Maurice Vellicoop, not about, um, not about Carol Burnett, um, mm. anyway, from Pantheon, Maple Terrace, uh, by one of my faves, Noah Van Skyver from Uncivilized, so yeah, I know, Noah is so great, um, my, and, uh, Victory Parade by Lila Corman, Shockin: A Witch's Guide to Burning by Aminder Daliwal from Rolling Quarterly. Women, Life, Freedom, which is edited by Marjane Satrapi. This is uh the anthology. But I think most exciting book of the season has to be my favorite thing: is Monsters Book Two by Emil Ferris from Fantagraphics.
3: Long awaited. So yeah, yeah, long awaited. I had a little aside in there about like took a lawsuit to get it out, but then we cut that. <laughs> I didn't know there was enough space to get into, which I was like fair. Damn. Yeah. I um, you know what? look, they settled whatever they settled. it is, whatever I, the story is, is mu- there's, there. there. There's much anticipated is doing a lot of work in that um, <laughs> <laughs> in this formulation. But I will you know, we normally would not put I would not normally put a second volume. On the top ten, just I wouldn't. And so this was a big deal. This, like, is such a hugely right. anticipated second volume that yeah. we had to put it up with all the other originals.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, it's not. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, The Empire Strikes Back. It's its own thing, you it's know? It's its own
3: thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and speaking of Tessa Hall's graphic memoir, yeah. I want to mention that a new Like goody in this issue uh, is the end notes feature with publishers Ah, just rolled out, which is a kind of behind the scenes look with quotes from the agents, the editors, the publisher, and the author or artist about a new work. Uh, We gave that over to graphic work this uh-huh. this issue to tie it all in and um tessa holes was the pick and i'm really excited because i think debuts are not necessarily going to be frequently in that and you know they're kind of looking for a tried and true and like getting behind the scenes of someone who's known and this is her debut so it was really fabulous that that got selected uh-huh. yeah absolutely and that's, my colleague adam I put that together
1: this uh and this end notes is really uh it's a really nice new feature uh, you yeah. know the kind of going uh-huh. behind the scenes of Making the books and, you know, I have, okay, I have one technical question for you. Mm-hmm. And this is just, if, if people do see this list and, you know, one of the things about it is that it is listed by imprint, not by publisher, right? Because I see you have, yes, you know, okay. Ultimate's Universe, which, uh, in the my Institute, world, yeah. if we were to say that's a imprint, uh, not really, but that's kind of just a publishing industry thing, right? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. So in the long, it's, you know, in the long list, they're listed by imprint. Though in the sidebars, they're listed yeah. by title. So it kind of is all over the place sure. based on the template. But yes, the imprint thing is a PW style. And it also gives more space, you know, for more books because I only turned to one or two in the listing. Um, but yes, that is a thing. So if you're looking for it. Yeah. Um,
1: so Meg, we're almost out of time. We just have a minute or two left here. Um, what, yeah, yeah, any, no anything else that you you know just notice Well don't I mean, miss the Q&A which is with David
3: Small you know who uh the new book is Werewolf at Dusk uh who you know of stitches fame so just really that there's like really throughout the whole magazine there's stuff on comics the whole time and did and you I just, you
1: know yeah did you did you see just really quickly though mm-hmm. um i mean were there any publishers that are getting, I will say finally, but, you know, like, is anybody just already jumping in or new publishers? I mean, you mentioned one. Any other kind of new players on the scene that you were surprised by or notable?
3: Um, uh, You know, one thing that I thought was kind of cool is that Union Square is doing the Puerto Rican War, a graphic history by, by Jean Vasquez Mejias. I really love his work. And I think we mentioned that Angoulême already picked this mm. for a win. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, and then Z2 is back in action. There's just lots of publishers who are trying things out. Zando.
1: Uh-huh.
3: Yeah. Um, let's see. On the adult side. 10 Speed Graphic is really hitting it out of the park. Now, they really uh, – they packed their list. We do have these imprints, like you were mentioning, from um Image that might not typically be listed this way, but we're pulling them out like Tiny Onion Studios, which is James Tinian. It took mm-hmm. me a while to figure out Tiny Onion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. I was like, wait, what? Um <laughs> So you'll see that across the list. New Press is doing an adaptation of Lies My Teacher Told Me mm-hmm. um, with Nate Powell adapting James Lowen's work. I'm really excited about that, and that's New Press is like a you know longtime progressive publisher that really dominantly does prose, so it's cool to see them getting into it. Yeah,
1: well, l- we are definitely out of time here, but um, this is an incredible um incredible preview uh you should if you're just a listener and you don't subscribe to Publishers weekly and you're into comics just go buy this issue honestly it's worth it's worth every penny seriously you will become there's so much information on things that are coming out and you know great features and so on meg enjoy the rest uh you know um you know, take some time <laughs> off, Just get some sleep
3: before I do this again. Yes,
1: this <laughs> yes, <laughs> and uh take care. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, everybody. Well, it's always great to hear from Meg.
0: Yes, Meg, we love you, and we, we love the comics preview. Uh, you know, congrats <laughs> on another
1: stunner. So, um and you know, telling us what's happening. We hap- are so good at
2: segues, you guys. No one will ever know I dropped this in in post.
1: Excuse me. Come on. Moving on. Um, well, you know, uh, Meg talked a lot about the books that are coming up this year and um, uh speaking of which, you know, we've been talking a lot about retailers and the state of commerce retailing. And David Harper, also a PW contributor. Yeah. Has his he does two on his sketched website, and all praise to David for running that website. Um a yeah, he does two retailer features a year where well, he just reaches out to a bunch of retailers and, you know, asks them, Hey guys and gals, what's up? hi guys hey people what's up and uh so his one for January is out and um you know the title is fairly um like grim, <laughs> sort of like it well, was you know,
0: completely you great know. a total pain in the ass and everything in between
1: yeah <laughs> i I mean it's not the dire you know arctic landscape of, you know the Donner party that you might might think from you know, the way things have been going and I, I talked to David pretty regularly. He said he actually even felt a little more optimistic after talking to some retailers. Um, you know, the takeaway is just, well, some people were way down, you know, mm-hmm. some people were down double digits. There's mm-hmm. no way around that. And, uh, some people, uh, um, Cape and Cowell was down 39%. Um, mm-hmm. it's a really beloved store. Uh, sure. they, you know, uh, they were, but they're still up. From
0: well, that's the story over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> that, you know, we're down on the, the past year, but, you know, we were at such a high peak. You know, yeah. we're good.
1: I mean, we had our, 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 you know, craze. We had our, it wasn't even a tulip. So we had our, what's the word? Boom. We had our boom. hmm. And um, they are uh, adapting. But the biggest thing everybody talks about in here is, the economy and I think it's just the uncertain economy that people are going through and you know the general just sense of doom and gloom that everybody has um to start off the year you know it's hard it's hard to go spend your five dollars on a comic book so at times yeah and
2: I mean I think also some buying patterns have been disrupted during the pandemic I mean Maybe more graphic novels, but maybe fewer floppies because people have gotten out of the habit of going into their local store. I see it all the time.
1: Um, yeah. And, you know, the, the thing that there, you know, there were some bright spots and I'm just going to mention this as a trend because yeah. I actually was talking to a couple people about this and, uh, you know, the early 2000s were a very downtime. For the comics industry. That's what I launched the beat as a matter of fact, as mm-hmm. part of the pulse at ComicCon.com and uh, so I kind of got to see everything rebuilt from the ground up and the comics that kind of led the way out of the doldrums were licensed comics. Uh, there mm-hmm. was a big hit with the Masters of the Universe comic uh, that I think was published by a very small outfit. I, I don't even remember the name of the publisher. They're not around. And there was The Transformers mm-hmm. at that point were being published by Devil's Due, who is still around but a small publisher out of uh, 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 Chicago, and then DC had a big hit with Thundercats. And you know, guess what is selling really well right now? <laughs> Transformers. So you know, Skybound Hasbro line has been a huge hit. A lot of retailers mention it. The first issue of Transformers, with by Daniel Warren Johnson, sold 150 thousand copies. Now that has a lot of variant covers involved, but it was a hit. And guess what? Daniel Warren Johnson is a really great talent. And Uh, Dynamite is doing Thundercats and they announced that they've had a, you know, big sellout on that. And, uh, one of the things that comes out very clearly, I'm I'm scrolling through the story trying to find the Mm. quotes. I might have to just paraphrase it, but, um, uh, one of the things that readers really like is great creators.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Great
1: creators and well
2: written stories.
1: Mm. Yes. And, um, I think the, the, the Daniel Warren Johnson phenomenon is something that we can really mm. take note of. And, you know, Jonathan Hickman at Marvel, he's kind of the difference yeah. maker there. Uh, it was just announced that Jason Aaron was going to take over Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and that got a lot of people excited. Um, people love the turtles. The Last Ronin is a huge seller. So, um, y- you know, Marvel and DC after image split off in the early nineties, purposely decided they were not going to emphasize artists as much. It was policy because then the artists would get too big for their britches and go off and start their own company. So they began the era of the, the writer. I mean, of course the writer's always been a, a, a important but, you know, they really promoted writers and it's really writers that people follow. I mean, DC has had Scott Snyder and Tom King and James Tynion and, you know, the, the, they're kind of the top yeah. gun there.
0: You need um, artists. <laughs> but, but you
1: know, guess what? Have you heard the word? Comics are a visual medium. Yeah,
0: you know. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know.
1: yeah. And I mean, when you look at why is why is anime, why is manga eating comics lunch? It's because it's so dynamic visually, mm. and people follow the creators.
0: Absolutely. So. And of course, the range of topics and subject matter is completely endless. Yes. Um. And 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 if I may jump jump in, because look, th- w- this article to be clear is a really primarily about the direct market um Mm -hmm. which is fine and 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 needs the attention um and what i and what's very interesting it is fascinating that he's hearing retailers talk about uh trade paperbacks uh, trade the trade books are growing um it's become more important manga obviously kids publishing these are all going to be books book formats so this is this is growing, this is continued, this isn't going yeah. away, and it's gonna be a bigger part of the inventory. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um,
1: just as a little sidebar to this, uh PW has it's it's sponsored content. It is, you know, a, a a sponsored by Diamond book distributors, but there's an interview with um with Tony Lukacs, who's the head of it. And you know, nobody at Diamond ever really talks. I mean obviously they're talking in a in an interview that they set up themselves. But I, I think it's just interesting. Um, they do, you know, everybody's like, oh boy, Diamond. Uh, Diamond Books is hanging in there, and look, yes, they lost a lot of their biggest accounts, but they, I think it's interesting, just as, as the temperature of the industry, that he notes, that last year they signed 16 new publishers. This includes mm-hmm. new graphic startups like Distillery, Alien Books, Frank Miller Presents, Difference Engine, 50 Amp, and Gungner, as well as indie publishers established like Abstract, Black Panel Press, Sorin Penguin, and Opus Comics. Some of these cool. I have never even heard of. Yeah. So, um, you know, there there's, I mean, it's if you're a diamond criminologist like I am, you'll want to <laughs> read this interview, uh, and I'll leave it at that. There you
0: go. There you go. So, as time runs down, here, shall we hop on, um, uh, an article that I found very, uh, uh, very interesting. I believe it was in Variety. Uh, Superman's copyright, uh, is going to be up in about 10 years. What happens when Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, these golden era, golden age comics start uh, heading into the public domain? Um, <laughs> what Steve what, what p- p-
1: Willy Superman team up? Just yes, uh, why not? Why not?
0: Uh <laughs> I can't wait to see it.
1: Uh, Kate, I know you're our you know copyright watcher. Uh, how any new developments in the the Mickey Mouse saga?
2: Um, so far we're good. Uh, you know we're about where we were last time. Just the usual rumblings. Of course, there have been some snide <laughs> topics <laughs> suggesting <laughs> that really nothing has changed except that now people don't have to be quite as scared about the mouse, but they probably should have felt safe to do parodies all along to which I can say you first, yeah. you bell the cat. I uh, mean the mouse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people will definitely feel more emboldened to do parodies because nobody wants to upset the mouse. Um, and I imagine that the same thing will happen with DC characters. Like, yes, it's true right now, legally, totally legally, legally, you can do a Batman parody and, um, totally legally, you can make a good argument, but, uh, you better be careful. You don't use the name Batman or else DC's lawyers are going to hunt you down. Um, and it'll be bad. Whereas, you know, your Batman and Superman parody, your Wonder Woman parody will be on, uh, firmer ground in about 10 years.
1: Yeah. You know, okay. I just, as a little addendum to, uh, the preview, what we were talking about, sales, I just got a little embargo news, but it'll be out by the time you hear this, that Thundercats number one has sold 170,000 copies. All right. So, you know, these licensed comics will lead the They're way. They're doing their thing. Yeah. We'll, we'll struggle, struggle through with our variant covers and, you know, make it through. Well, uh, speaking of great artists, one of the greatest. Yeah. Great- Is putting down her pencil At age 96 The great, great Ramona Freyden. And, um, you know I've had the pleasure of hanging out with Ramona I have a sketch by her In my sketchbook uh, Very treasured And she's incredible She is one of the most delightful Quirky Amazing people I've ever met in my life
2: Yeah Well, uh, I mean, it's very rarely that you hear about a comics creator officially saying, I retire. But quite frankly, at
0: 96,
2: (laughs) at 96, I think that's, that's fair, man.
0: And also, you know, let's face it, a a woman uh, who worked in superhero comics, uh, and, uh, excelled at them, uh, she's, she's clearly gotta be, uh, a very, you know, a tough cookie. Uh, not to mention working on Brenda Starr.
1: I mean, Ramona is an incredible artist, and it just galls me that in the male-centric world of comics, you know, she was working at DC regularly in the '60s, doing, you know, she created, co-created Eclipso Metamorpho. You know, she created some of the great characters. Had an incredible run in Aquaman. Yeah, she just did great comics. But it wasn't like, you know. It's ever like, oh, who are the best cartoonists? Oh, well, you know, it's Gene Colan and and Jack Kirby and Ramona Freighton. I mean, it was always like, do women do comics? Well, you know, there's Ramona Freighton. I mean, I just hate that. It's like, I I call it, I wrote a whole thing about this. I call it stealing your heroes, you Mm. know, where they're like the second Mm. thought. It's like she is one of the greats, period.
0: Word. I hear you. I hear you.
1: you know, I she was doing commissions, doing sketches. Absolutely gorgeous, beautiful drawings yeah. up into her 90s. And you know, everyone who got one treasures it. I'll tell you that.
0: All uh, right, I'm looking at the, the the drawings in New York, the Beats article right now.
1: Yeah. So.
0: So. So enjoy your retirement, Ramona. So, you earned it.
1: Oh, well, everybody, not- stay warm. Cause yeah, it's cold out there.
0: Yes, That's and because
2: sure. you know we don't want you freezing, because there will be
0: more
1: to
2: come.